and thank you for listening to Literacy Matters. I'm your host, Cheryl Lundy-Swift. This is our third installment of our series with Lizzie Zaroria entitled Putting the Pieces Together, Building an Effective Tier 1 Literacy System. Leslie, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Here I am again. <laughs> We're so They're probably so sick of me. <laughs> Not, know? <laughs> not at all. You know a lot, and we're super excited that, for you to share it with our audience, for sure. Uh, PARA stands for paraprofessional. Yes. For our audience who may not know, what is a paraprofessional? <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> well, paraprofessionals are really a crucial piece of the puzzle. So uh, what a paraprofessional is, is it's a person who usually works not a full day. They usually work three to five hours a day. They're usually part-time and they're under the supervision of a licensed teacher and they provide different kinds of services. So if you have a special ed classroom, almost every special ed classroom will have a paraprofessional that supports the teacher. And so the kinds of things that they do, so they can tutor students, they can assist the teacher with all kinds of things in the classroom. They can help manage the classroom, they can organize materials, but I think the most effective use of them is with reading instruction. It's another person in the room who, if they know and have been trained on, on how to provide quality reading instruction can be just another fabulous resource to use. And we're going to talk about how to do that in a little bit. But they usually have at least a high school diploma and often some college as well. And some pairs are actually working towards getting their teaching credential. So they're, they're a lovely piece of the puzzle that we often don't look at as um, a critical reading instructor in the classroom. And that's what I want to talk about today is how can we use them to leverage the resources in the classroom? And I don't know that we've always provided everything that we need to do that. So that's something that my project, uh, our Getting Reading Right project in, in, Los Angeles, in Los Angeles has been working on. We need to be training the paras so that they understand very directly how to support their teacher. So we started a paratrack. And it's just a parallel track track of training where we meet with them during the, the school day when they're already at work and we pull them for an hour a month and we train them exactly on what their teacher got. But we put it into a different context. We say, here's some things now based on, let's say we were doing a session on uh, alphabetic principle or phonological awareness. So here's what you'll see your teacher doing for phonological awareness. Here's what it is. Here's why it's important. And now here's how you might support that work in the classroom and what your teacher might be asking you to do in a small group lesson or one on one, because often pairs are working with small groups or one on one with the most needy kids. And so we wanted to make sure that everybody has the same baseline knowledge and that that was a revelation that we had not actively worked on prior to it. We were so focused on getting teachers trained that we hadn't really thought about getting the Paris trained. So anyway, it was a game changer. They feel like they are a part of the initiative. And that is so crucial on an elementary campus. Everybody needs to own it. The yeah. administrator, the coaches, the teachers, and the Paris. And when everybody owns it, it starts to feel personal to them that they have a stake in how kids do in reading. And that's one of the, the big ahas that came out of it from the Paris. They started feeling really excited about seeing the growth in the kids. And so that that was one of the big lessons that we learned. And it's just been amazing. When I think about these paraprofessionals and, and yeah. say they're all trained up and, yeah. and they've gone through your, your workshop, 
how can you really use them effectively in the classroom? Well, so you mentioned the first thing, which is make sure they're all trained and that they're all hearing the same message. Sure. The other thing I think that parents have not often felt like a respected and capable partner, I think because some of the tasks they have been given have been menial. Yeah. And sort of, you know, here, go cut out the things for my art activity or that kind of thing. So we really changed how teachers and administrators look at the role of a para. Mm. Consider them a partner in the classroom, not just a helper. It's a little different than like a parent. A parent partner can maybe, or a parent helper can maybe cut out things and run off papers, you know, parent volunteers. But a para, if you have trained them, can really be a, a respected and capable partner. They can do the yeah. work of, of small groups and, and all of that. The other thing I wanted to add is that giving feedback to paras is really important. So they want to do the best job they can do. They really, they really are into it. You know, they want to be, to be proficient in the work. And so we have to not be afraid. And this, this is kind of across the system. Feedback is, is really a sticky wicket <laughs> because people can take it personally. And what we try to tell our teachers is when you get feedback from the coach or, you know, anyone who's trying, it's all towards the goal of proficiency of instruction and really feeling that you're a capable instructor in this. And so same for Paris, we encourage teachers to give them feedback. So we try to tell them, you know, we're not saying it to hurt your feelings, we're saying it to refine instruction. And so let's try to welcome correction with each other. I don't do everything perfectly. It's hard for me to clip sounds, but when we do add those kinds of little refinement issues, it's, it's almost, I say, consider it a privilege. Like yeah. you're at a point where refinement is the problem, you know, I mean, these are just small things that, but they make a big difference in instruction. And so, and so we're getting better at, at both accepting, giving feedback to each other and accepting feedback. So that's good. And then the other things that, that I would do in terms of effective instruction would be to put them in small groups, like utilize them for another small group. So you're the teachers over in one station doing a targeted small group lesson. Let's say they're working on the sound TCH, the blend TCH. Mm -hmm. So while the teacher's doing that with the kids who are specifically struggling with that, that pattern, the para can either be monitoring stations, walking around and kids are practicing whatever skill they were working on, or the para can pull their own small group, work with another group of kids that may be struggling with that sound or a different sound, maybe the previous week's sound, and also running through drills and activities and all kinds of things that that make learning fun. You know, there's games, they can do Elkonen boxes with them, they can do sand trays. And, you know, we we encourage our teachers to create stations that are multimodal, make it fun. Right. When we walk into classrooms and kids are having a great time, they're excited, they're learning. And so pairs have told us that they feel really a part of that now. Like they're like before I was just kind of doing, you know, whatever. And they're like, now I feel invested in it because I understand how kids learn to read and I can see my place in that, how I'm supporting that. Whereas before it was just sort of, you know, do what the teacher tells you to do for that 15 minutes or whatever. Right, right. So now yeah. that they've learned the shared language and they understand the research and they know why they're doing what they're doing, it's, it's really just been an amazing transformation. And the idea of then putting them in these small group uh, multimodal yeah. uh, 
groups <laughs> and allow for that meaningful practice, I think yeah. is really key. And with our phonics reading and me program, we use like our reading response journals, for mm -hmm. example. We also have letter tiles so that children yeah. can use words. What are some other activities that you find that like parents could do? Like, you know, you mentioned- Oh my gosh, parents can do anything teachers can do, honestly. I mean, that's the short answer of it. Yeah. I like I like doing fluency work too, Mo even monitoring. We went into one classroom and there was a para sitting off to the side and she was watching. It was um, a, a, a child with special needs paired up with another uh, student and they were running through uh, card little drills together with cards, uh, yeah. practicing blends. And then they picked up their decodable texts and they were reading them aloud to each other. And she was just kind of monitoring that and she was correcting when they needed correction. Sure. And so I thought that was a great, it was such a wonderful display of kids helping each other, but also the para, like just monitoring, not interfering too much, but just providing slight correction. Yeah. Um, so I think butter, buddy reading and fluency work, they can do anything related to uh, skill specific drills with kids, um, running through letter cards and sounds, um, like we said, using the trays with the magnetic tiles, uh, practicing uh, dictation. So yeah. using those words and sentences and doing dictation, all of the things that you would do in a in a regular structured literacy lesson in kind of the whole decoding routine, you would be able to have paras do, especially if they understand the why. And the, the reason that I think understanding the why is so important is so that they don't step skip steps. Mm. So uh, um, the reason, uh, one of the ways that structured literacy is different from balanced literacy is you can't just go to a story in a book and teach from the story. Structured literacy is very, structured, <laughs> sequential, systematic, explicit, yeah. mm -hmm. systematic. And so people who who, often, who are used to a balanced literacy approach, if they don't know why they're doing specific activities, it's, there's a temptation, oh, I'm running out of time. I'm going to skip this step. We really don't want to be skipping steps in a systematic and explicit lesson because mm -hmm. then it creates a hole in that student's learning. And yeah. so that's why having the entire system in your school, understanding the research and each component of structured literacy is so important because yeah. we don't wanna create more holes in our, by, because of our instruction, we wanna fill them using our instruction and having all of the, the right resources to do that. So so yeah, that's that's what I would say is one of the, the major things of why it's so important to train Paris. Speaking of support, Yes. How, how can school leaders and district personnel better support paraprofessionals? Well, first of all, let's provide some time. <laughs> time, is the, time is the enemy of public education, honestly. There's just yeah. never enough time, right? So I would say provide time for parents to learn during their work hours and or pay them for an additional hour after school. A lot of, a lot of schools have a lot of money right now. COVID money, learning loss money. You know, there's money floating around out there. So that is a really good use of funds is to pay them. Don't expect people to come on their own time and be trained. That's not fair. And right. so providing time and paying them, the, the investment is so worth it. And parents feel valued and they feel like they're doing meaningful work and they'll stay at that school if they feel valued. You will retain people when they, and then you won't have a revolving door of Paris coming through either. Sure. So when they feel valued, they feel like they're um, supported in the work that they're doing and that their pres presence is necessary, they will stay. They will stay yeah. with you. 
my my parrot stayed with me the entire time I was a teacher until I came to the county office. That I think, you know, leads me to my second thing. The parrot work has to be meaningful, like just running off papers and doing menial tasks. It's not a great use of, of human helpers. You know, kids can do those things. Parent volunteers can do those things. There's there's other things, other people who can do that. The other thing is, I think we don't acknowledge the paras enough. You know, like a little thank you note, a little I appreciate you, um, yeah. maybe staff monthly awards or shout outs. I love like praise walls and, you know, little notes you can give to people. Any Anything like that. I mean, we all love that, right? Yeah, of course we do. Yeah, we all want to be recognized and, and felt, feel like our work is being acknowledged. So I think that helps. It goes a long way with keeping um, pairs happy and engaged in the work. And then I would also say that they give them very specific skill-based work to do with your small groups. Mm. Run practice activities, monitor reading stations, help keep other kids on track while you're working with a small group. That isn't a menial task. <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> it's, it can be hard based on the group of kids sitting in front of you at any given moment. So. And I love that they can practice reading with kids. Like what about the kids who really have severe fluency issues? So they can be doing skill-based work with those kids, but also running fluency exercises with them to help them you know, become better with that. So the biggest thing is, I mean, really honestly, you can do anything that you would do as long as they, they feel like they're trained and skilled and know how to do it. So I kind of use the same mantra that I use with kids. Paris will do whatever you ask them to do, if they feel they can do it well, and if sure. they feel like it's valued and it's meaningful and kids are the same way. And, and for that, we're all that way. We, we will all do pretty much <laughs> what yeah. we're asked to do. If we feel we can do it where the rub comes is when I don't feel like I have the knowledge and skills to do it. And then I, you know, I push back and kids are that way too. We see that with behavior problems in classrooms. If I can't yes. do the assignment, I'd rather get in trouble than look like a dummy. And I think we all feel that way. So just providing that that additional support to them through training and coaching. You know, yeah. our literacy coaches can be coaching pairs as well. Yeah. So um, pulling them together, having meetings with them, finding out how they're doing with all of this. When we pull our when we have our monthly meeting with the pairs, <laughs> they it's it's like I, I feel like it's old home week or something. They're so excited to be there. And I think it's because they feel so valued in the work mm -hmm. and we're yeah. acknowledging that what you're doing is making a difference. And, and even beyond our acknowledgement, they're seeing it with their own eyes. Yep. They often help administer assessments, those one-on-one -on -one assessments. So they're seeing the kids growth. So it's just been an amazing thing. And I would hope that that anyone listening to this would, would take a second look at how they're using their paras and really think about how could we be more effective with that? Because for us in our project, it's been one of the biggest learnings coming out of our grant work is just that we need to really look at the role of a paraprofessional differently and support yeah. them. I think as we think about accelerating student learning and also think about the teacher shortage, I think mm -hmm. it's really to grow great teachers. If you get yeah. them hungry enough and, and equipped yeah. enough, um, that they may decide that it's something, it's a profession that they want to do, um, go, go into. So that's, that's yeah, a, absolutely. a really great, great thing. So, you know, as, as we close, I'd love for you to kind of maybe give, you know, give the paraprofessionals some, some encouragement. <laughs> what, what, what would you say to a paraprofessional if, if they're in a classroom 
and maybe they're being underutilized and, uh, and they want to be able to support students with reading. What would you, what do you, what oh, do you that's a really, that's a really interesting question. First of all, what I would say to them is we see you and we see the work that you do and we value you. And the way that you show that in, as an administrator is support. And so if I was a para working in a school that was you know, floundering with reading instruction, or maybe they're just starting the journey of switching to, to, to structured literacy from balanced literacy. I think I would talk to the teacher and I would, I would talk to the other paras and to the, to the coaches and, and have honest conversations. We don't always have, we have polite conversations in schools, hmm. but I don't know that we have really courageous conversations that need to happen when students' lives are at stake with reading instruction. You sure. know, if we, if we can't read, we have, you know, our scores in California are terrible and we're finally doing something really comprehensive about it. Sure. And it's taking really courageous conversations. And so I think even Paris can have a courageous conversation with their teacher and say, look, I'd really like to help. T tell me more about this. Mm -hmm. about how I can be more effective and help more students in your classroom. You know, that that is a, any teacher is going to hear that and be like, oh, my God, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and and say, you know, I'd love to do more than just cut out, you know, pieces for your activity or runoff papers. I would really love to learn more about this. And that that leads to another idea is learn more. This a lot of this information is readily available online. Yeah, um, you can just look up what is structured literacy. There's a lot of great YouTube videos about it. There's a lot of great training available. And so just learning a little more and having some perspective around what does the research actually say? Um, look at Scarborough's reading rope. All of the components on Scarborough's reading rope are what we teach in yeah. structured literacy. So understanding what each of those components are and maybe, um, you know, just drilling down a little bit and, and building your own knowledge would be helpful. But honestly, I think it's the job. It's not really the role of the para to do that on their own. They shouldn't have to. I think if they're willing to, it's amazing. But I think that it's it's more important that the school system, the system that supports the tier one literacy program has a mechanism for that. I love that. Yep. Training is really the, the key to a lot of it. And so what is your system for training of paras and teachers and coaches? And when new people come and when teachers trade grade levels, what's the training for that? I mean, what's the process for that? So, so that's why systematizing all of this work is so important because otherwise you've got paras that don't know what's happening in the classroom. You've got teachers that, that are new to the school and haven't gotten the same training and it, that creates a hole in your system. So we always try to approach it from the systems level down so that yeah. everybody gets the support that they need to keep the ball rolling on this. Sure. Yeah. Oh, what great advice. What really awesome. <laughs> great way to take us right back to the fact that we are talking about a system. So Leslie, it's a pleasure talking to you. Always and fun to see you. <laughs> and I'm so looking forward to our next episode where we get to talk to uh, literacy coaches and how to, you know, best support them and how they can, you know, really support uh, students becoming more reading proficient. Yes, absolutely. Um, we love the coaches. Shout out to the literacy coaches. We'll be talking yeah. about you guys next time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Leslie. Appreciate you. Thank you.